We have been looking at the subject, the three D's to dominion. Right from the beginning of this month, on the seventh precisely. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 and we are going to be in verse 26. The word of the Lord for us at the Water Life Ministries International, a.k.a. the Stone Church, of which the expression house is an arm, this year is the word dominion. Somebody said dominion. And we are running in that spirit this year, but it's important that we are instructed to know how to walk in dominion. To be who God wants us to be, to have what he wants us to have, to experience what he wants us to experience. And that's why the Holy Ghost has given me this word for the church. It is not just for now, it is for many, many days and weeks and months to come. Indeed, for many, many years to come. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, God said very expressly, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, not in the image of failure. Not in the image of fear, anxiety, trepidation. In the image of the almighty God. Created him. Male and female created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful. The very first time that man was going to hear anything at all. These were the very first set of words that man heard. And this should be what you should be hearing. Even till now and for the rest of your days, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth Upon the earth. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in the name of Jesus. This is what we are running with. This is our prophetic focus for the year. Dominion. Dominion in every sphere of our lives. Dominion in every aspect of our lives. Spiritually, to walk in dominion over principalities and powers and might and dominion. And over every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. For we understand, according to the scriptures, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the spiritual wickedness of this world, the, the rulers of the darkness of this present world. Those are the forces that we are contending with on a daily basis. And we must exercise dominion over them. Otherwise, they will dominate and domineer us. If you are not working in dominion, someone else, something else will dominate and domineer you. And you don't want that to happen because the devil is not nice. His name is devil. If you remove the D from his name, it remains evil. If you remove the E, it remains anything that happens like the blast last Tuesday or uh, that Tuesday in Bodija. It happened and everywhere shook. That was not from God. That blast claimed many lives. I'm grateful to God that David is alive this morning. 
and his mom is alive. He, he didn't have the time to share the testimony. He will still share it. Not today, but we'll find time. I, I visited himself and his mom with my wife a couple of days ago, and they told us their eyewitness account. This is different from what you are hearing on, on social media and what you see in the news. Nigerian news that is, that is, that is blessed. Don't let, me, don't, let me, don't let me see anything contrary. Many, many lives lost. One of the things he told me, a particular lady that was taking care of a particular family, house health, Omolomo. She had rescued, I think maybe somebody in the house, and then she went back into the house. Don't know what she went to take. Maybe her phone, or maybe to see how she could rescue another person, or just do something to salvage the situation. She went in and never came out. The house went down. Horrible stories. These things are not from God. God is a good God. God is not a bad God. David, the blast moved him from where he was, from point A to point B. By the time he woke up, he just found himself that he was still alive. Because he passed out. But I knew that angels were involved, even in that catastrophe. As Satan planned the catastrophe, angels of God went there to keep the people of God. Our church alone has six families living in that neighborhood. Apart from them losing property and other material things, no life lost. We must walk in dominion this year. People are one moment in time. The next moment in eternity. Only the devil does such things. They were picking body parts. Those who visited the the scene. I, I didn't go. I didn't go to because I would just be crying. I mean, I, I am someone that is naturally empathetic. I enter into the shoes of people. That's why if you're a heartless person like that scammer that I was involved with in business, you can never be my friend. And in the name of Jesus, he will never be my friend until Jesus returns. I don't understand people that are heartless. I've never been trained in my life to not feel people. To not feel their pain. The Bible says that we, we, have not, we, have not, we don't have such a high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, maybe verse 15. Can, you can help me now, media. He said we, we don't have such a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was at every point tempted like we are, yet without sin. We don't have the, such a high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, I think I got, I got that right. If, if Jesus will be touched with the feeling of what we feel then we, his children, should be touched by the feeling of what other people feel. If you are now such a person who is never touched by anything, you are a devil. People are crying like this, and you are not touched. You say, eh, it was a mistake. A business went down. Eh, something went back. Ah, no, 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 no. You are nothing but the son of Belial. And I wonder if such a person has a church, and people go there. It, is, it will flow from the top. It's like the anointing of Aaron flowing from the crown of his head down to his beard and down to his skirts. Show me your father. Show me your pastor. And I can tell you who you are. I didn't go to that scene of the blast. Rather, I stayed in my house and I prayed. That God will heal people. And that God will touch people. And those who are still alive in the hospitals, that God would restore their health. And those who lost property but are still alive, God help them to recover even from the trauma. The trauma alone. That has been created by that unsavory event. 
For God is a good God. In Psalm 106 and verse 1, the Bible tells us that the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. In Psalm 107 verse 1, the Bible tells us God is good and his mercy endureth forever. In Psalm 118 and verse 1, the Bible tells us the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And that good God is telling us that this year we must walk in dominion. Listen, one of the reasons you must walk in dominion is that you don't even know the gang up against you in the realm of the spirit. Somebody told me a story that was funny but not funny. As part of, uh, you know, some of the events surrounding that blast. That some two guys lodged in a hotel and they wanted to do the do with a particular lady. And the lady arrived, Bodija. And she was trying to get direction. And then one of the guys said, okay, let me go out to pick the lady. So that I can bring her into the room. And then they could do the do. And he stepped out of the room. The lady was still trying to find her way down. And then the blast happened. The blast cut the boy into two. Two halves. Now, when the blast happened, the one in the room rushed out because all the windows of the, of the, many of the hotels around that area were shattered. So he ran out to see what could have gone wrong. It, nobody understood what happened. My house shook. I, I don't live in Bodija. For security reasons, I won't say where, where I live. I told everybody in my house, quiet, quiet, quiet. I thought Amdabras were in the neighborhood. Quiet, quiet, everybody quiet. So I went, like, I walked Nicodemusly into the, into the bedroom. You know how Nicodemus walked to Jesus? You see it in John chapter 3. He walked stealthily to Jesus. He tiptoed. I tiptoed to the bedroom. I now opened the curtain so that I would know my prayer point and the next line of action. So I, I, I looked. I didn't see anybody in the neighborhood, at least not on our streets. Not in our compound. Then I conclude, I said, it must be a blast from the army barracks. Because they are our neighbors. I said, maybe they released something. And then stories started flying. Oh, it's one cylinder that flew from Gasland <laughs> beside Ventura and landed at Ismail. And blah, 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 blah. You know, and without verifying. Somebody asked me also, what happened? I said, it was a, it was a cylinder that flew. <laughs> funny, but not funny. When that young man ran out of the hotel room, he found the body of his friend outside, cut into two. One part with the head somewhere, the other part from the waist down. Blood all over the place. Planning to do the do one moment in time. The next moment in eternity. There are lessons to learn also from that event. To be in Christ. And be found in him alone. I don't know what churches are preaching. <laughs> but I think it's time for everyone to return to the Lord. Not out of fear. Not out of, ah, I may die today. I'm not saying that. There were people that died in that blast who were Christians. Good Christians. Good believers. What is most important is not death. It's what happens after death. No matter how long you live here, this is still the realm of time. Over there is eternity. Eternity is not a place where anybody repents. Some people are preaching now, you don't need to repent of anything. Don't repent. It's okay, don't repent. But when you get to a place, a point of no return, where you cannot now repent, you'll be sorry for yourself. One moment in time, maybe they are taking pills and I go, we will show the girl. Three some, we will show our pepper. 
So today she will take. And the girl too was prepared. I will finish you. I don't know what happened to her. One moment in time. That very next moment in eternity. Imagine a family who just came back in the evening to, 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 to sit at the dining table and say, let's have our dinner. And while the table was being set, one moment in time, the next moment, maybe on the street of gold. And for some people, in the, in the place where the devil is going to have his final habitation. Let's be careful how we live our lives. Every moment, be found in Christ. Let's drop all our proud arguments. Be found in Christ. Be found in him, whether here, whether in the body or out of the body. This is the most important message I've brought you today. Even as I begin to introduce this, the topic of dominion. The reason we need to walk in dominion is we don't have to allow the devil to carry out his plans in our lives. We are coming to a point where the church can hardly decipher between what God is doing and what Satan is doing. You know, certain things happen. And certain people who don't follow Christ, they call it uh, the work of the Lord. They say, Anything bad happens, it's God that brought it. God does not bring destruction upon his people. Can I have an amen? God is a good God. We know the assassin. We know the killer. We know the destroyer. His name is Satan the devil. Jesus exposed him in John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and his bidding you will do, you will carry out, for he is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Because there's no truth in him. Yeah, but not in the truth. There's no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. If you look at a line in that statement that Jesus made, Jesus describes Satan as a murderer. Mass murder. Don't allow him murder you. If they say no grief for anybody in 2024, no grief for Satan. Don't allow him bring sicknesses and diseases upon your life. Don't allow him bring poverty into your family. Don't allow him bring depression into your mind. Don't allow him kidnap you. You have the testimony of that sister. I know some of you say, maybe it's a lie. Maybe it's easy like that. A young man joined our fellowship in Poli, and we're going to pray for that young man after service. He joined the fellowship in September. And someone invited him to the church. I think he's been here once. In the first Sunday of December, he was meant to come to this church. He was preparing to come to church, and I wish he came here. Where you go is important. He was getting dressed to come to church and they, he got a call from home to come to his home church in the Dianure area. That's on your way to Ijebu, Crean area, Cocoa Research Institute of Nigeria. If you go to Ijebu, if you school in Ijebu, there, you know, you know that, that side. And that was it. He went home, went to church, did some drumming for them, waited for evening program, did some drumming for them evening program, got into a, uh, maybe, maybe Micra or maybe, maybe Kekena Pep, either of the two. Until today, he has not been seen anywhere. He got me involved after about another week. So at the day I heard, I said, look, we're not going to keep this. We have to start working on this immediately. Got some of the leaders with me. We hired a vehicle, traveled to their family. I saw the dad. I saw the mom prayed with them. 
I saw the pastor, the pastor of the church he went to, and the son of the pastor. We all had a meeting. We did some stuff that we could do. We provided some support, contacted the police. And the last report I got was that his phone was ringing for some days. And after a while, the phone has been switched off. And it was switched off in a village called Seko, Seko village in Kwara State. So if some of you have that testimony, hey, that girl, who knows? She's always sharing testimony. May, may it not happen to you. Because it, it, it's like a movie. You, you, no, kidnappers don't write it on their forehead. And they're all over the place now. They are back in business. But in the name of Jesus, anyone that comes near you to kidnap you will die. The sentence of death is upon them. They are very stupid people. Is it, is it only them living in Nigeria where economy is, is tough? Go and look for work. How do you make kidnapping a business? And you make families suffer? But we have a God who rescues his own children. Can I have an amen to that? And these are the days to be led by the Spirit. That Friday, we had prayer here. And I announced here on Sunday, everybody... 5.30 to 7.30, senior pastor has organized prayer, two hours, no prayer point. We just come here and pray in the Holy Ghost. And many of you didn't show up. When you are at the wrong place at the wrong time, wrong things are bound to happen. Mondays I'm here, 3 to 5. I'm not inviting you to that one. If nobody comes, I'm cool. In fact, me and God, we are good company. I pray for two hours. If you'd like to come, come. This year, watch your steps. Be led by the Spirit. The Spirit tells you, you are going to Lagos, not today. Stay. That meeting they invited you, that party they invited you to. This month alone, I've got invitations to about two, three major events that could fetch money. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. Because in my spirit, immediately I had the alarm. No, it's not a place to go. I'm sorry, I'm not available. It's not every church they invite you to come and preach, you go there. You go there. No. It's not every concert they invite you to come and sing or come and watch. I thank God for your life. Demilade, do you know people die by stampede? Stampede was what was going to happen to you. And by the way, was that a Christian concert? <laughs> there are places you should not be found dead. Now, don't distract me. Let me focus on my message this morning. Hebrews chapter 5. I want to give you the last D of the three Ds. Trust God to do that within the time frame that I have. I have 39 minutes to go. Hebrews chapter 5. And once my time is up, I'll keep quiet. If I don't finish it, good for you. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's be from verse 1. Let's go to verse 10. From 1 to 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way to 10. It said, for every high priest, now let's read together one to go. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men. I can't hear you. One, two, let's start again from verse one. Read out loud. One, two, go. You have a voice. Read with your voice. One, two, go. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God. That he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. 
and by reason hereof, he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man, read it out loud, and no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also, Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Now verse 7, make it very loud. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered, which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Verse 10. Called of God and high priest after the order. Of Melchizedek. The Lord bless the reading of his word in the name of Jesus. Today, the last D I want to give you. The first D was what? If you were here, the first D was what? Determination. The second D was what? Dedication. And number three now, the last D, the third D is discipline. Somebody say discipline. Alright. So determination says, I will go to the top of the mountain. That's determination. You're in the valley and you make up your mind, I will go. You are in poverty, and you say, no, I will prosper. You are in sickness, and you say, I will be healthy. Uh, you are in failure, I will be a success. Determination. Like the prodigal son said, I will return to my father's house. And I will say, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven. Forgive me. Determination. This exam we are writing, I will make sure I make a first class. I make a distinction. I make an A. Determination. I want to go to the top of the mountain. Determination. But walking in dominion takes beyond determination. It requires beyond determination. The next D, therefore, is dedication. You now have to be dedicated to your determination. Dedication is the process that takes you up the mountain. As you go up the mountain, you know, it's, very, it's not very easy. Climbing will make you exert energy. You will have to apply yourself. You will go through stuff and you won't have to care because you are, you are keeping your eyes at the top. Dedication will see you through the process. But when you get to the top, discipline will keep you there. It is one thing to get to the top. It's another to stay at the top. Many have gotten to the top in life. And as surely as they have gotten to the top, they have also crashed for lack of discipline. Many destinies have crashed today for lack of discipline. There were many vessels that God began to use back in the day. But where are they today? For lack of of discipline. Samson was a man anointed of God. He had seven locks on his head that connected him to the realm of the spirit and they, every time the spirit came upon him, he would, I mean, he would do exploits. Samson killed a thousand Philistine soldiers in one fell swoop with the jawbone of an ass. Not with a gun, not with a machete, with the jawbone of an ass. I've never in my life seen anybody kill a thousand soldiers with the jawbone of an animal. Jawbone. Jawbone, not a sword, not a bomb. He was not a normal guy. I mean, he was, he was, this guy was exceptional. But you know what killed something? Lack of discipline. And he's still killing many people today. Don't, don't call this grace. Don't call it favor. We all carry favor. 
John chapter 5 and verse 12, no, Psalm 5 and verse 12, he said, for thou, Lord, will bless the righteous, you will surround him with favor as with a shield. John chapter 1 verse 16, we have all received favor upon favor from the fullness of Jesus. So don't tell me you have favor, I don't have favor. I have favor too. We all carry favor. But we are not all disciplined. Discipline, therefore, makes the difference between two Christians that carry favor. How far will you be relevant? How long will you be relevant in life? How long will you be relevant in the scheme of God's events? In the scheme of affairs? How long will you stay anointed? How long? How long? This how long will not be determined by God. It will be determined by you. Discipline is not something determined by God. It is the aspect where the Christian is supposed to wake up and take responsibility. And we are all supposed to have it as believers. We all have the potential. If you look at Galatians chapter 5 from verse 22, the Bible talks about a list there, the, the, the fruit, you can put that on the screen, the fruit of the Spirit. And among the fruit of the Spirit, there is one that is called, the last one, is called forbearance in the KJV. I think that is what it is. Go to the last, go to, go to the next verse, please. Next verse, next verse, next verse. Meekness, temp, okay, temperance, temperance, not forbearance, temperance. If you go to the, go to the NIV now, give me the NIV. It, it has another word for it. One says self-control. There's one translation. Okay, okay, that's NIV. It says gentleness and then self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. If you cultivate it, you will have, you will live a disciplined life. Self-control. Self-control in every way. Some people cannot see food. Food cannot pass. You are fasting. But because you, will not, you have not cultivated, listen, you don't lack self-control as a believer. No believer lacks self-control. Every believer has it. It's in our spirit. It's a fruit. But it must be cultivated. Every believer has joy. There's nothing like I lack joy. You lack, nobody lacks joy as a believer. I'm not talking about unbelievers. As a believer, you have it. It's a fruit of the Holy Ghost. It came into you the day you gave your life to Christ. But whether you experience joy or not is your fault. If you don't cultivate it. It's a fruit that must be cultivated. You have to plant it, water it, manure it, grow it, work in it. The same as self-control. Anything is scared. Some men, anything is scared. This is not just scared. Scared and trust. Self-control. Are they anointed? Yes! Are they called of God? Yes! But you cannot keep your daughter with them to quickly go to Dubai. Five minutes drive from Mokola. Something would have happened. God even cannot trust them with his own daughters. Can I trust you? You see, that's why some, 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 some ministries never see the light of the day. It's not because God didn't call the man. But that equipment between his legs. Ah, no, no, no. Anything goes. Anything. Anything can happen. I mean, we live in a world where a father, I had a very sad news not too long ago. A father impregnated his own daughter. In fact, I had another one. They said the father and the son. Father and son were sleeping. Will I say with the daughter now or with the sister? Because his daughter to the father and sister to the brother. And it got so bad, eventually the brother impregnated the sister. I said, this will bring him back the spirit of Moab and Amnon. Ammon. Children of incest in the Bible. The, the grandchildren produced by Lot. When his daughters made him drink wine. How do you explain to that child when he grows up? That his dad is also his uncle. How do you explain that his mom's 
brother is his daddy. How do you explain to him that he too cannot grow up and do same? If that was the way he came to this world. How do you explain certain things that are just, that can best be described as madness going on in our world? Lack of discipline. Discipline keeps you at the top. Discipline keeps you a high flyer in life. Discipline keeps you in dominion. In Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 8, it says, Who are these that fly above the clouds to their windows? Like doves to their nests. Who are these that fly? Who are these high flyers? Discipline doesn't take you to the top alone. Discipline keeps you there. Keeps you fresh. Keeps you relevant. Keeps you hearing from God. Keeps you walking in exploits. Discipline. And nobody exemplified disciplines, sorry, exemplifies discipline as our Lord Jesus Christ himself. So he's our perfect example. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, brethren, let us lay aside. We also seen that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set in front of us. The race that we are going to run, let us run it with patience. Let's lay aside the sin that easily tackles us. The sin that gives us what we call kafa. If you, if you if you've ever played football, you know when they say one shankafa. That thing that always makes you trip every time. The Bible says you have the power to set it aside. And verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Discipline. Somebody say discipline. Despising the shame. And is set down at the right hand of God. I strongly recommend the book of Hebrews for your personal growth and consumption this year. The book of Hebrews. Read it. Study it. Meditate on it. It exemplifies the ministry of Christ. What is discipline? The English dictionary says it is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. It says it is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. However, you know, we cannot use the dictionary's explanation to explain the word of God. That's worldview. There is biblical view. And so my own definition I'm going to give you from the Bible this morning is that discipline, therefore, from the biblical standpoint, can be described as the practical outworkings of the instructions given by the Holy Spirit. Practical outworkings of the instructions given by the Holy Spirit. If you are not someone who allows himself or herself to be led by the Holy Spirit, even though you are a believer, you will lack discipline. Discipline is beyond instructions. It is training. It's not just instructions from the Holy Spirit, but the practical outworking, the carrying out of the instructions you have been given. It's one thing to be instructed. It's another to carry out what you have been asked to do. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Instructions are given, but are you led? Are you allowing him to lead you? Or are you trying to lead the Holy Spirit? And he won't be led by you. Amen? Discipline is beyond instructions. It is training. It is compliance. 
it is alignment to the instructions and promptings of the Holy Spirit, no matter how painful it is on the flesh. You and I know, especially those of you that go to the gym, you know that training is hard on the flesh. And that's why many run from it. Yet, it is a prerequisite to walking in dominion. That's why only few believers walk in dominion and stay on top. Only few. Only few. Because training is painful. It's easier to watch movies on Netflix than to open your books to read, for example. It's a lot easier. You don't need to do anything to watch a movie. Just play the movie, sit down there, eat popcorn. That's fine. But to read a book, it takes a lot of putting your flesh under and saying, look, my destiny is important. I need to open this book. It's a lot easier to read a novel and to read books that will tickle and fan, and, and fan the flame of your flesh than to open your Bible. That's why many Christians don't read their Bible. A whole lot of Christians. I was talking to our lead pastor when he came for the retreat. After the retreat, we were out there and he was gisting with me. And he said to me that a research was actually conducted in America, in the United States. And they, you know they have data. They found out that the average prayer time of a mega church pastor in America is five minutes. Mega churches. I'm not saying every one of them, but... On the average, they carried out statistics and found out you're pastoring 10,000 people, 20,000 people, 25,000 people, 35,000 people, and your average prayer time is five minutes a day. So everything comes from the head. Everything is from the flesh. That's why we have a lot of motivational speakers in the pulpit today. The word of God, listen to me, is different from motivational speaking. In the day of trouble, David, with that blast in Bodija, could anybody motivate anybody? Was, oh, no, don't worry. No, the blast just happened. How's that collapsing right now? Okay, but your attitude will still determine your attitude, all right? The way you dress is the way you'll be addressed, all right? They will slap that person into oblivion. What can sustain you in the kidnapper's den? What can sustain you on the sick bed? Like that brother that came to share his testimony. He was so sick that he didn't even know he could make it. But then the Holy Ghost spoke to him. Take action. Take action. Take action. Faith without corresponding action is dead. Take action. It is because you've had that scripture before in James 2.17. If you have never had it before, it will be strange. If the Holy Ghost ever says that to you. Discipline is tough on the flesh. I want to build muscles this year. Everybody wishes to build muscles. Every guy. is a wish, oh. I tell you, there's no, there's no guy that doesn't, even is a, me, I don't like muscle, it's a lie, you like it. A lot of people want to have six packs and have the, tri some, some, some of us don't care about six packs, but the triceps and the biceps, yes. You want to wear nice clothes and you want it to, to look good on you. You want to look fit. Build up like, like Pastor Fred, praise God, amen. All it takes is to see me through the eyes of the spirit. Amen, praise God. Don't look at me with your carnal eyes. Everybody wants to have muscle, but how many people are willing to give you what it takes? Day one in gym, you carry weight, carry weight, carry you pump iron, you feel good, man. You sweat, man. Tomorrow, here I come. You wake up on your bed the next day, and you go to the bathroom, and you cannot brush your back. You lift your hand, and it aches. Your back aches. Ah! Is this paralysis? It's not paralysis. And they will tell you, don't go and take painkillers. Oh, you have to keep exercising. It is exercise that brought the pain. It is exercise that will take away the pain. Are you with me, church? Can you imagine someone who is a footballer? He's not been going for training. 
Three months he's been eating eba, okra, and ogufe. Three months before a major match. Then he shows up on the day of the match, jumping. Oh, we are here. We are. That guy will collapse in 15 minutes. You see, athletes, they go for training. Whether it is raining, whether it is sunshine we have out there, whether the cloud, the, the weather is good or not, they keep doing it, they keep at it, they keep at it, they keep their eyes on the goal until it happens. I had the story of a man who is a billionaire in Lagos. They asked him, sir, what do you do? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? He said, one thing I know about myself is that I'm a go-getter. And I go full length. Anything I want to do, I go full length. He said, when I was in school, in the university, and I had lectures, and it was raining, he said, I will pack my books, keep them securely, and I will walk in that rain to class. He said, when I get to class, and my mates will be looking at me, they'll be laughing at me. I will be laughing, I will make jest of myself, first of all, and then inside me, I will feel so fulfilled that I made it to class. They are looking at my clothes that are wet and drenched, but I'm saying to myself, congratulations, you made it. Doing it all the same. Doing it regardless. The rain would stop many people. Oh, it's raining. I'm not going for lectures this morning. Lecturer should understand. After all, even lecturer too is a human being. He should stay in his room. No, he's not staying. He's paid for the job. He gets into his car, drives all the way to the lecture theater, gives the lecture. Hey, but me, I don't have a car. And, and I, I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't go and drench myself in the rain. You are not serious. If it rains on a Sunday morning, it will shock you, the population, the number of people that will not come to church. Why are you not in church? It rained. Is rain, is rain a curse or a blessing? Discipline. 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 Oh, that man is blessed. You are blessed too. Why are you not having results like they are having? Lack of discipline. As a ministry this year, we will be putting certain things in place. God helping us. That culture of discipline, we must have it. We must have it. People are, you're praying and, and you're chewing gum. Lack of social discipline or spiritual discipline. Can you be talking to your governor and be chewing gum? Whatever you can do in the presence of your governor, don't try it in church. You're in church and you're on Snapchat. I wonder, except you're in media ministry, people that bring out their phones during prayer, I see all sorts on the internet today. People go to prayer mountain, on the mountain, and they are recording. Shut up, Baba Bastara. We are here. We are here. Prayer is going on now. You are not in the media unit. Are you talking to God or you are talking to your phone? I thought the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 too, that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not to member to God. How can you be talking to God and be talking to camera at the same time? People are worshiping the Lord. It's your own job to be carrying camera around. And I'm not talking about those who are in media. In the media unit, look, they are serving God. That's, that's part of their own service. But you are not a media ministry. I just wanted to have a feel, guys. Have a feel of our church today, right? Nobody needs to have a feel of your church. This follows us to our place of prayer. You are praying and then your phone rings. God, hold on. Hello? Hello, sir? Yes, sir. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, uh, I'm actually praying now. Uh, I'm actually praying. No, you are not. People run out of church. Congregational prayer. To go and receive phone call outside. And then come back in. Like God is your houseboy. You can put him on hold. Press pause. Then you come back. Press play. Alright, God. Let's resume our conversation. You lack discipline. 
want to go high? You want to fly? You want to walk in dominion? Discipline is a prerequisite. <laughs> and it comes with training. And training is not easy. Training is tough. Training is hard on the flesh. I repeat, that's why only few believers walk in dominion. Only few believers stay on top. Even though God's plan for us is to rule and reign in the midst of our enemies. Psalm 110 and verse 2. It said, the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of your enemies. Why are enemies ruling us? So much so that most prayer points in a lot of churches today is about enemies. They keep their eyes on enemies. Enemy from father's house, enemy from the street, enemy from mother's house. What are you still waiting for? One hour of prayer. You are praying about your enemies. You have lost something. When you keep your eyes on your enemies, it means you have kept your eyes away from Jesus. And Hebrews 12, 2 that we read said, looking unto Jesus. Did he say looking unto enemies, the author and the finisher of our problems? No, come and talk to me, church. He said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. If you keep your mind on the Lord, he will keep you in perfect shalom. Oh, they are coming after you. You won't be bothered about that. Come on. Oh, they are planning evil against you. You won't be bothered about that. We know we have enemies, but we don't glorify enemies. We don't look at enemies. We don't keep our attention on enemies. We keep our focus on Jesus and he will take care of our enemies. Can you, can you, can you say an amen to that? Let me give you a few examples. Before I go to the examples, let's look at Isaiah 30 and verse 15. Isaiah 30 and verse 15. On the screen, please. About this rest that we need to have as Christians. Many Christians don't have rest. I'm telling you, they don't, even when they are sleeping, they are, they are wrestling. They are still fighting. They are so enemy conscious. Enemies everywhere. Enemies in the plate that they used to serve at home. When they see a fly in their kitchen, it's an enemy from the village. How did a fly get into my house? Hey, a fly in my house? Oh, no, you go to a church, the sound system is bad. The pastor is rebuking the devil of the speaker. He doesn't live in speakers. What you need to pray is God, prosper so we can buy good sound system. Amen? African prayer. That's why some pastors will go abroad and they are irrelevant. Because all the prayers they raise, the people are looking at them like, are you, are you okay? Today we're going to pray. Father, give me a car this year. A new car. And the people in the UK are looking at you like, do you have a job? If you do have a job, you don't need God to give you a car. The people in the U.S. are wondering, is this man okay? Because you can drive any car of your choice. Go to Mercedes-Benz. Let them check your credit history. You have a job, you have an address. You're earning money monthly. Pay your car notes. What, what deposit do you have? Okay, this is what we can accept as a deposit. And then you pay your car notes every month. You can pay for 10 years, pay for 20 years if you like. And if there's a new grade you want to upgrade... Bring that one, trade it in. We spread out your payment. Spread out your payment plan. You need a house. You have a job. We spread out your mortgage. Just pay your mortgage every month. You have a house. It's not part of your prayer points. But what are the prayer points in Nigeria? Car. House. Land. Money. A church. So-called church. It doesn't exist anymore. It used to be somewhere around here. One Monday morning they were praying. And they were singing, and their song goes, Makole Marale, Malo was Then 
There's a woman in America. She's not even married. She has 26 private jets. There is no minister of God all over the world that has that. If that is why we are serving God, we're in the wrong place. Would it matter that day that the blast happened in Bodija? How many cars anybody parked in their garage? I learned in a particular house, five cars sank. Five. They sank with the house. That blast took some, a Mercedes Benz, it took the engine, removed the engine and threw it in another compound. It took some cars and put them on top, like when you stack chairs at the back of the church. Stack cars. Everything turned to dust in a matter of moments. What people would die for. A lesson to learn. So many lessons to learn. The psalmist said, it was David that said it. One of the psalms, one of my favorite psalms. I don't know if it's 119 verse 20, but that, in that time it's verse 20. He said, he said, my soul cleaveth to the dust. Revive me by your word. These things that our souls cleave to. I want to go abroad. I want to have this. I want to buy car. I want to buy house. I want to buy designer. I want to wear designer. I want to eat designer. I want to, I want to. Everything material, material is dust. David showed me the picture of the jacket he was wearing before and after. Nice jacket. Nice, really nice. That thing was torn into shreds in moments, in a moment of time. In a moment of time. I'm wondering what will become of this world when Jesus said no stone will be left on top of another. Everything according to Apostle Peter is going to burn. People are crazy for what is going to burn. The banks will burn. Bad news. Bad news for people that keep their money in the bank. Those who keep it at home, the house will burn. Bad news. Bad news, if everything we are living for is this world, this life, this life. That's why people go to church. That's why they go to prayer mountain. Monday morning, miracle, miracle, break, break through, break out, break down. People are not looking for God. People are not looking for God. In the days in which we live, I beg you, even the reason I'm preaching dominion is not just for you to have material stuff. Yes, you will have it. But look for God. Make room for him, like that song says. Make room for God this year. Make room for God. Make room for God. Because the days will come when all that matters will only be God. Let me give you a few examples of areas where discipline is mandatory. I must tell you that discipline is mandatory in every area. But for time and space. Number one, fasting and prayer. These are not to be Seen as religious chores, but as integral part of Christian disciplines. Fasting and prayer should be seen as part of Christian disciplines, not as religious chores. It is not only Christians who fast and pray. I hope you know. <laughs> Muslims fast and pray. People that are following Buddha and all, the other, all these other religions, they fast and pray. Traditionalists fast and pray. In fact, there's a particular monarch in this, in this southwest who actually, when a particular festival is coming, is in fasting for 40 days. In the traditional realm. And by the time they crown him with the particular crown that he wears only for that festival, that crown is like paper. And the weight of it, this, the lead pastor told me, the weight, I think he says 10 tons. 10 tons would be talking about maybe 40 bags of cement or so. Yet, when this man wears it, it's like paper. Because the, the, the powers that be in his own area would have empowered him to make that thing light. If unbelievers will fast and pray. 
many Christians don't fast. Prayer is when they come to church. Many of us don't have a prayer life. The only prayer time is when you are opportune to join others to pray. You cannot be a Christian for a long time. You won't survive it. I'm telling you, the forces are arrayed against us. They don't rest. And a part-time Christian cannot defeat a full-time devil. The devil is full-time. Fasting and prayer is not a piece of advice. It's a necessity. There are disciplines that you must imbibe as a Christian. <laughs> Let me say it in Yoruba. Badura, kuma badura. Pray so that you will not pray. I've been there and I know what it means. Pray now. Be prayed up before temptation comes. Jesus looked at them in, I think, Matthew 26 and verse 41. Jesus looked at Peter and the other two disciples that he took with him. Verses 40 and 41. He took them to the garden of Gethsemane. And he was praying. He said, let me go yonder to pray. After one hour, he came back. Peter and the two other guys were sleeping. Jesus said, you guys, wake up. Can't you watch with me for this one hour? Which means the first hour was, a, was an hour of prayer that Jesus prayed. The first hour. So he told them, wake up. Come on. Pray so that you will not enter into temptation. One translation says pray so that you will not do badly. Don't surprise yourself. If you don't pray, you will surprise yourself. You will do things that you had sworn many years ago that you never do. If you don't pray. Prayer energizes your New Year resolutions. It is not your New Year resolution that energizes your prayer. It is prayer that energizes your determination, energizes your dedication. Let me tell you how important prayer is. You can read the Bible, you can quote it, know it from Genesis to Revelation, but you will never be able to do it if you don't pray. It is prayer that enables you to do what the Bible says. Especially praying in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said pray. He went again the second time to pray. He came back the second time. I believe another one hour. They were still sleeping. Ah! He looked at them. He said sleep on. He went back the third time and prayed again. I believe that was the third hour. He came back. He said okay, sleep on no. alone Jonah. Get up and let us go. Rise up and let's go now. Because the one that is, that is to betray me is at hand. And Judas came. They were sleeping. No wonder when they came to attack Jesus and they came to, they, they, they came to, to, to arrest him, Peter, you know what they did? He brought out his sword and cut off somebody's ear. A carnal way to fight. There are always two ways to fight. The spiritual way or the carnal way. In my battle, I also got very, very upset with this karma that I told you about. And I was going to take some drastic steps. But the Lord asked me one day, he said, you want to handle it or you want me to keep handling it? I said, sir, I surrender to you. Once I hear that, it's a warning sign. I said, Lord, I surrender. I would have carried out something very dastardly. Because I wanted to teach him a lesson. I wanted him also to feel the pain that he has put me through. And so many people through. I wanted him to have physical pain. I wanted to organize for him. Yeah, Pastor Fred, yes, I wanted to. I really wanted to. I was going to finance it. But the Lord spoke to my heart that morning. He said, you want to do it your way? You want to get it out of my hand? Or you want me to keep handling it? And I said, okay, so I surrender. And so when I look at him, I'm, mm, <coughs> yeah, I feel like yanking off his beard because he has beards. I'm not against beards. I'm saying there are always two ways to do things. Two ways to fight. Peter brought out his sword. When he was supposed to be praying, he was sleeping. Now they came. He now brought out his sword. Jesus, Jesus rebuked him. 
so you think I lack help? You don't know I can talk to my father and right now he's going to send me 12 legions of angels? You know 12 legions? 72,000. 72,000 angels right now. Do you think my father is short of supply? I don't need your knife. I don't need your sword. I don't need your carnal help. When he was supposed to be praying, he was sleeping. When you are supposed to be praying and you are sleeping, you will be carnal. This year, write it down. Don't take advice from anyone who does not pray. It is dangerous for your life. Anyone that comes, people can advise you. Nigerians are good advisors. Ah, go to Twitter. Just go on social media. They will advise you. They have not advised themselves. Take every advice from people. You will be dominated instead of walking in dominion. So don't do that. Be disciplined in the place of prayer. We are not doing enough, church. We are not doing enough. We are not doing enough and we need to do more. We need to step up our game. Hebrews 5, 7 that we read, as our, our text. 5, 7. We read 5, 1 to 10. But if you look at verse 7, quickly, verse 7. He said, who, he was talking about Jesus. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him. That was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Jesus did not pray gentlemanly prayer. That's why the lead pastor has instructed the World Life Ministries International. When we pray now, we are not praying gentlemanly anymore. No, no, there's nothing like that. You pray and let your body feel it vibrate. Are you with me? Ah, pastor, is it my physical strength? Put it. Put it. When you are done praying, your body will be refreshed. When you are praying, it might look like you're going to die. You're not going to die. When you really pray. One of, the, one of the challenges of prayer, especially praying in the spirit, is that your mind travels a lot. If it's like my mind, very active. Call it back. Say, oh boy, we are praying. Come back here. Don't be at home. Ah, man, that golden brown chicken. My God, before I get home now, I hope Wally would not have stolen the chicken. You are praying in church. But your mind is at home. You are not praying. Call back your mind. Say, man, come back here. We are, we are before the Lord and we have set the Lord before us. These two hours, we lock hands with God and we engage. Somebody say engage. That's how to walk in dominion. So, no gentlemanly prayer anymore in this church. No prayer, silent prayer. This is not silent prayer. Jesus, our perfect example, and you can see his passion in the place of prayer. Who in the days of his flesh, in the days when he was in the body, he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying. Strong crying. If it be your will to take away this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. That's not gentlemanly. Strong crying and tears. Strong crying and tears. Who says you can't shed tears in the place of prayer? You can't. You can't. Pray. Pray like your life depends on it. Pray and mess up your makeup. Mess it up. Mess it up and let God beautify your life. God uses makeup when your life is not really, really not beautiful. Who does that help? I'm too neatly dressed. I don't want to stress myself because if I stress myself in the place of prayer, I will sweat. The sweat marks will mark my, my clothes. Let it mark it. And let your life change. Are you with me, church? Discipline in the place of prayer. When it comes to prayer, it's, 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 a, it's a sign qua non for the Christian. Matthew 6, 5. Jesus didn't say, and if you pray. He said, and you, when you pray, and thou, when thou prayest. 
And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be seen as the hypocrite. When thou prayest, not if thou prayest. Are you with me? In the same chapter I said, and when thou fastest, I think verse 16 now, either 15 or 16, and when thou fastest, moreover, when ye fast, not if ye fast, help your sleeping neighbor. When ye fast. So, it's, it's given that you must fast. It's, it's an instruction that you must pray. Luke 18 verse 1. And Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always, not sometimes, to pray and not faint. Because if you don't pray, you will faint. And if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? It is expected that you pray. It is expected that you fast. Number two. Number two area that requires discipline. Listen to me, church. Let me help you with that number one. In addition to fasting and praying, your time in the word. See, your time of prayer and the word, you must protect it. Protect it. Protect it from people. Protect it from undue distractions. Protect it. When you want to pray is when a call will come in. When you want to read your Bible is when somebody will call you and be chatting you up and can waste your time for one hour. And you are not going to be bored. Put your phone to flight mode if silence will not help. Because there are times that even silent mode will not help. Because it vibrates and then you look at the screen and say, ah, this person is important. Nobody can be more important than God. Are you with me? Ah, pastor, what if that's the time that somebody that wants to give me a contract calls? If it's your contract, it's going to come back. Are you with me, church? Protect your time with God. Protect it. I will fight you if you come at the time I'm in the word. I will not listen to you. Those who live with me know that. I will not listen to you. If you want me to do anything for you, I will not get up to do it at that time. Because you don't dictate to God when to speak to you. He can come and speak at any time. And I cannot be hearing from God and be hearing from you at the same time. May you not miss out on God's instructions. Some people, is when God wants to talk to them, they get up and go to the toilet in church. The time their instruction is coming. When his word came, that was when Joseph got out of prison. When his word came, he said the word of the Lord tried him. His word came. When your word comes, may you be found there. Number two, satisfying your appetites and cravings. You must be disciplined in the satisfaction of your appetites and cravings this year. Genesis 25, verses 29 to 34. My time is up now. Will you guys give me 10 more minutes? Be generous. Give me 15 minutes. But I'll finish. 15 minutes. Esau came back from the field. The Bible says he was hungry. And he said to his brother Jacob, I'm faint. Give me this lentil. Genesis 25, I believe. And in verse 29. Verse 29. The Bible says, and Verse 29, and Jacob saw the pottage. Jacob will see, say, a sorrow. Oh my God. A sorrow, a lepo, ready, ready. 
and Jacob sought pottage. Was that the first time Esau would eat pottage in his life? If he didn't eat the pottage that day, would he die? Came back and said, I'm faint. I don't have energy anymore. Please give me of this pottage. In the Yoruba language, the Yoruba translation, we need fumini ebe. Ebe. Ebe is a sorrow. And Jacob, in his cunning lifestyle, I don't know the correlation between food and birthright. Jacob said, give me your birthright. Esau was the firstborn. Esau said, who does birthright help? I'm hungry. You are talking about birthright. He traded the birthright for a mess of pottage. If you study the Old Testament, Old Covenant, there are about 24 blessings connected to the birthright of the firstborn in the family. He gave it all away. Don't blame Jacob for coming back later to take the prophetic blessing from Isaac. Because the owner of the blessing had given it away on the platform of hunger, on the platform of cravings. Young people, we all have cravings. So you have cravings, it's not, it's not, it doesn't make you special. But how do you satisfy your cravings? I mean, my ovulation. So that period, uh, somebody will feel like, ah, uh, is you? God made you, he made us sexual beings. It's a gift from God. It is to be managed, not to be wasted. So you don't waste your destiny. You know, I'm a young man. Pastor, it's not easy. I mean, everywhere we go, everywhere you go, I understand that. Lecture, theater, even church does not help. Some people wear things to church and you wonder, say church, when you were dressing up this morning, did you make up your mind we're going to church or club? I had the, the wife of uh, Pastor uh, Paul Adeferasin addressing that some time ago, and I was, I was very glad. In a Lagos church, in a Lagos, that Lagos is another level. Another level of principalities and powers and demons are operating in Lagos. If you now take it up to, uh, to, to Port Harcourt, ah! that was the, from the marine, marine world. Take it to Abuja, that's the center of prostitution. All these things are spiritual, and they are targeted to the souls of men. Especially young men. These days, sugar mommies advertise on social media. You, you, you need a sugar mommy? I need a sugar boy. This is my number. I will sell to you. It's a lie. I will destroy your life. That's the meaning. Is it money? I will give you. Money is the ebe, the asaro, the pottage that Esau took. And the heir to his satisfaction. Give me the last verse of that scripture. Genesis 25. The last verse of it. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. How are you despising your birthright? Satan tells you one night, just one night stand. Just one night with that guy. Just one night with the baby. How are you satisfying your cravings? Some people, you, are, you know you have to fast. Every Wednesday, the stone church fasts. If you didn't know that before, know it now. Every Wednesday, we fast in this church. 
But the day you are fasting is the day your flesh will wake you up. Normally, you don't need breakfast until 11, 12. But make up your mind, I'm going to fast tomorrow. Hunger will wake you up. Everything will appeal to you. How do you know that you are fasting? You'll be hungry. How do you know you are fasting? What normally will not appeal to you will appeal to you. You will smell eba from afar. Eba. What's tempting in eba? What's tempting in eko? Eko, pap. You see like this. You can't take away your eyes. You see granite. You'll be like, please, can I have small? Because you're fasting. You know what that is happening? Your flesh is rebelling. I will die, oh. I will die, oh. I want to eat. It's a lie. You won't die. For the sake of your destiny, for the sake of dominion, for the sake of discipline, when you are fasting, fast well, cravings will come. After Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says, then he was hungered. King James English. He became hungry. And Satan came. The first temptation. If you are the son of God, turn this stone to bread. Because he knew he was hungry. But how do you satisfy your craving? Do you allow the devil to dictate to you what, when, and where to eat? Even if I need bread, you are not the one to tell me. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How you satisfy your appetite? Physical appetite? Gastrointestinal appetite? Sexual appetite? How you satisfying it? How? I know as young people it's not easy because you're not married. And so you burn sometimes. Channel that energy into prayers. Channel it into the word of God. Channel it into worship. Channel it into soul winning. Channel it into something productive. Channel it into your business. It's all pressure. What do you call temptation? It's a big word. Pressure. It's just pressure coming on you. That's all. And Satan knows how to turn on the pressure. And he won't tempt you with what you don't like. No matter how hungry I am, a Sulu will not tempt me. I don't like that. I don't know the biological name for it, zoological name, dyscoria, something, something. Tosin, can you help? Where's Tosin now? A Sulu? You've forgotten. She's a banker now. <laughs> Glory to God. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? Hebrews 12, 15 to 17. Quickly. Hebrews 12, 15 to 17. I want to rush this so I can finish up quickly. Hebrews 12, 15 to 17. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Can you see now? Grace people, can you see that somebody can fail? Fail of the grace of God? Lest any man fail of the grace of God? Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled? Because when you fail of the grace of God, you're going to be defiled. Then it says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. Now, the Bible does not say that Esau slept with somebody. But it's describing what he did as fornication. And called him a profane person. Who for one morsel of meat, a bear, sold his birthright. So every time you are committing fornication, you are selling your birthright. Hypergrace people won't tell you that. They say, you're cool. You're okay. It's not your spirit that committed the sin. It's your flesh. Your spirit is perfect. Created after God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When your flesh carries HIV, then we'll see whether it will touch your spirit or not. Oh, no, it's my flesh that's got HIV. Nothing wrong with my spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, pain from HIV. No, no. Until this, the body expires. And when the body expires, the spirit will escape. Have you fulfilled purpose? And is that the way Christians should die? For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, the blessing, he came back, he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance. No place of repentance. Somebody said, when, when does a Christian lose his salvation? I don't know when, but you can walk out on God. 
God won't withdraw it from you, but you can choose by your, by your stupid lifestyle to walk away from God. You want to be a child of God and live like the rest of the world? You, you, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Esau came back to look for repentance. There was no place. So what happened there? He still had his salvation? No. He lost it. He lost it. He found no place of repentance. He died in his sin. Though he sought it carefully with tears. And this is in the New Testament. It's not Old Testament. New Testament referring to what happened in the Old Testament. And Paul was warning us here. said, look, let there be no profane person among you. No profane person. He was writing to Christians, to believers. Don't be like Esau. Don't be like him. He mortgaged his life for a, 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 a mess of pottage. 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul the apostle. Look at this. Can a Christian lose their salvation? Look at what he said. 1 Corinthians 9.27. But I keep my body. I keep under my body. And bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. As a castaway, as a castaway, does that sound like he's still in the faith? Talk to me now. Talk to me. Now, you did ask close. Bible teachers, talk to me. Now, when, when he said, I don't want to be a castaway, who is a castaway? You think you're going to find castaway in the kingdom of God? He said, even me as a preacher, I keep my body under because my body wants to rebel. Your body, my body is like a rabid dog, like a dog that has, that has carried, uh, that has caught rabbits. And you lock it up in the, in the cage. That's the way our flesh is. It's not born again. And it's not planning to be born again. Until the resurrection when we have a new body. So every time the dog struggles to get out of the cage, you know what you're going to do? You grab him by the neck. You put him, put him back. Put him, put him back in the cage. Give it some hours to come out again. He wants to come out. He wants to be free. That's the way the flesh is. Paul said, I keep my body. I keep it under. Keep it under. You know why? Because I don't, want to, I don't want anything to spoil my Christian testimony. Having preached to others, having shown others the way, having told them what is right, I should also live right. And you are the epistles that people are looking at. You are the Bible they are reading. In your place of work, on your street, in your family, the reason some of your siblings are not yet born again is because of the way you are living your life. One of our brothers said, he didn't even preach to his sister. They just saw that his lifestyle changed and then sister became born again. I remember, the sister came to the polytechnic when we had an outreach there. And she stepped out to give her life to Christ. So I knew that his testimony was right. We have a sister here whose brothers are in church this morning. They, they testified that we've seen a change in our life and we're like, oh, let's go to that church. Let's, let's know the pastor. Glory to Jesus. Amen. If we come to your area for evangelism, are they going to throw water on us and send us away? Say, this one's a member of your church? Ah. <laughs> what kind of church do you have? If this one is born again, then I'm a pope. I raised two a year, are you? I know they don't call you. That's why I don't like the songs. And senior pastor doesn't like them. Kowobi mo se nse, 
Interpretation. Lembra hostel ashke de bahadia. God is looking at the way we are living our lives. Just waiting for you to repent so you don't die in sin. Are you listening to me, guys and ladies? Everybody is sober. I like that. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Quickly. Second Timothy 2, 1 to 4. Paul wrote to Timothy, his son in the faith, said, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace. Don't be weak. Be strong in the grace. Don't say grace covers my sin. Be, you be strong in grace. Live above sin. Live right. Some of you are in relationships. You have, you have started kissing already. After all, kissing is not a sin. It will lead you to something. And those lips belong to God. They don't yet belong to any man. Because he has not given you a wedding ring yet. And whatever it is you are doing in the corner that you cannot do inside church, is a sin. So be careful. Those of you that are, that are singing to each other, Valentine is coming now. Say, come on, baby. Where are you going to take me? Take her to church. Hallelujah. That will save the brother some money. <laughs> Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Are you with me, church? Go to the next verse. Verse 2, media, thank you. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit down to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Verse 3. Verse 3, you are blessed, media. Thou therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Discipline involves hardship. Endure it. Endure it. Endure it. Some people cannot be hungry for just one money. One money. Pay to mix breakfast. They get on the internet and start begging everybody for money. Guy, I beg. Quick, I beg. Guy, hungry for one money. As part of your training as a soldier of Christ, learn to endure hunger. Because of the days of leanness. Because of the days of compulsive fasting. Soldiers are trained to be rugged. Because the days will come when they will be at the war front and there will be no wife to bring them food in the war front. If the only language they'll be hearing will be shelling artilleries. Ke, 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 cow, cow, doom. Nobody brings banga soup and starch to the war front. Hello, honey, or what? If wife shows up there, even the soldier can kill the wife. Say, you want to kill me? You want them to know I'm lying down here? So they train them. It's part of the training. Run them through the fire. Run them through the flood. Because of the war front, you can't predict what happens in the war front. That's why soldiers are rugged. If you, some of them come to this church. If you see soldiers, you don't know them. I just said it now that some of them come. You don't know them. So don't try to be looking around. They are my friends. I got to know them here. So we exchange contact. When they hold you, you are held. Have you been slapped by a soldier before? You will see stars. And you will hear the angels, the voice of angels singing. It's a, it's, it's a product of training. You don't see soldiers with flat, with, with big tummy, pot belly. Maybe when they become general and they're at the top and no war anymore, they're not fighting again. <laughs> Constant pepper soup and all of those things. But as a soldier on the field, the guy's feet, throw him down like rubber, we get up again. You'll be the one to be tired. Have you beaten somebody before and you, you ended up begging them? <laughs> you beat him initially. But because of the same power he has, you will become tired. 
Have you beaten your younger one before? And that one very stubborn. So, hey, give me, give me. You give me today. You give me. After five minutes, you'll be breathing. I will beat you. I will still beat you. Okay, I'm not beating you again. No, you beat me. No, you beat me. I'm not beating you again. I'm not beating you. You end up begging. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? <laughs> you will soon have somebody one day. That one that said no, you will fight. You will beat somebody and you end up begging that person. The ladies especially know what I'm talking about. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, especially when that younger one is a boy. Or a girl that is a tomboy. Ah, you almost beg. You will breathe. If you have a younger brother, especially if there are two sons, the second son, in most families, those second sons. Look at Esau and Jacob. Esau came first. Jacob second. Jacob wrestled with an angel. He's like wrestling with the almighty God. How do you wrestle with an angel? To the point that he, he delayed the man. The man said, it's almost daybreak. I have to say, no, where are you going? You will not go until you bless me. Until the guy had to put his hand in his hollow, in his thigh, and dislocated him. But he got blessed. He got that blessing. His name was changed from Jacob, for one nice karma, to Israel, the prince of God. The meaning of Jacob is supplanter, is karma. But the name got changed to Israel, meaning the prince of El, the prince of God, Israel, the prince of God on the platform. Of being resilient. If you are resilient in prayer, even the devil will be tired and he will go. I always say to the devil when I have a stubborn situation, I say somebody will be discouraged in this matter. Somebody will be tired. But I promise you, it won't be me. I will pray until my change comes. There is no situation you can't change in your life, in your family. If you'll be resilient. But you are not. Come for two hour prayers. Ah, Pastor Fred wants to kill us. Two hours. Who prays for two hours? I beg. Only, even the 10 minutes gone, God knows my level. God understands. It's not how far. It's how well. All this thing that Pastor Fred is teaching us now, he'll be taking our time. Don't worry. Number three, area of discipline, your sex drive. Ephesians 5.3 tells you, keep yourself. Colossians 3.1-5, the same thing. First Thessalonians 4.1-5, the same thing. Write those scriptures down when you get home, look at them because my time is up and I have to stop now. I don't want to ask for extra time. Learn from Joseph. Genesis 39 verse 9. Put that on the screen. Joseph said, how shall I do this wicked thing and sin against my God? Joseph should have been servicing madame and be eating the best meat in the house. But he said, no. There is not greater in this house than myself. Neither has, has my master kept anything back from me but you. Because thou art his wife. Don't become my sugar mommy. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You're sleeping with someone else's wife, that's a great wickedness. You're sleeping with somebody else's husband, that's a great wickedness. And it's a sin, not against yourself only, but against God. Young men, don't be tempted by them. They're on the internet everywhere, alluring you, tempting you, seducing you with their body, seducing you with money, seducing you with overseas trips. Don't worry, I'll take you to Dubai. Don't worry, you will go to Dubai yourself. Don't need anybody to take you there. This month makes it 10 years by the grace of God that I've been traveling the world by the help of God. And I've been obtained help of God. Like Paul said in Acts 26, 22, 26, or 26, 22, I, I, I continue until this day. Don't need any sugar mommy. Somebody had offered me before. 
Maybe my wife had not even heard this. We were still courting. We were getting, planning to get married. And I went to do an event in Lagos. And you know, Lagos is less. This person got my card. And because I'm a business person, anybody can get my card. Anybody can have my number. There was an offer. And I turned it down. I said, I'm planning my wedding. He said, no, it doesn't matter. I don't have UK visa. I said, we'll go to Dubai. I said, when we get there, what shall we be doing? Fasting and praying? In the hotel room? Now, Christians, we deceive ourselves many times. Both of you know that what you're about to do is wrong, but you still go. So when you not get there, say, now, let's pray. I paid for hotel five nights, one week. They'll be feeding you, feeding you, feeding you, and you'll be feeding me, feeding me. And that's in Rabba. Rabba. Rabba what? Don't walk into temptation with your eyes wide open. Are you with me, church? There are some conversations you should end this year. There are numbers to block. Can I have an amen? For the sake of your destiny. Number four, which is the last, your communication. Be disciplined in your communication. Ephesians 5, 4. Colossians 3, 8 to 10. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. He said, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Ephesians 5, 4, thank you. He said, neither jesting, come on, put it there, put it there. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking, foolish talking. Or soju, or foolish talking. Jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Certain things should not come out from the buccal cavity, the buccal cavity of a Christian this year. Corrupt communication. Give me, give me Colossians 3, 3, 8 to 10, quickly. I'm wrapping up now, I'm wrapping up. But now, ye also put off all this, put it off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. There are certain people, there is nothing too big for them to say. I used to be like that. But God has delivered me. Nothing too big. It shouldn't happen. As a Christian, there are certain things that should be too big for your mouth. Lie not one to another. Some people will lie and there will be an earthquake. They lie and the devil shouts, Liar! Ah! The devil is afraid of some people. When they lie, they put it on top of the It was the devil. Pastor, it was the devil. Ah! They will say, No, be me. I've never removed anybody's belt before in my life. And truly, the devil has never removed belts from anybody's waist. Now that's the removed gown. Doesn't know how to unzip. Doesn't know how to remove trouser. It's not part of his job. He's a spirit. Lie not one to another. Where are you coming from? Simple question. Um, so, sir, when I was now, where are you coming from? Simple question. Seeing that you have, now, lie not one to another. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Let's stop lying. Tell the truth. It might hurt you. Tell it. God will be happy with you. And you'll be happy with yourself. Verse 10. And I've put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I've put on the new man. I've put off the old man. In the name of Jesus. Discipline your mouth. And don't be talking too much. Proverbs 10, 19. KJV and NLT. Proverbs 10, 19. I'm done. I'll give you one more scripture and that's it. Let's read that together. KJV. One, two, go. In the multitude of words, make it louder, there wanted not sin. But he that refrained his lips is wise. Give it to me in NLT, New Living Translation. New Living Translation, thank you. Let's go now. 
Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. So, don't talk too much. So too much talk leads to sin. The way some people talk, they lack discipline. They talk when they are supposed to talk. They talk when they are not supposed to talk. They talk when they're supposed to listen to another person to talk to them. Have you seen someone come to you for advice? And they talk, 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 talk. You are just saying, hmm, eh, wow, wow, eh, ah, eh, oh, oh, ah. And I said, ah, pastor, thank you. I'm relieved now. In fact, I've got the answer. I said, okay. You are the one that came for advice, and you are the one that advised yourself. Talking too much. Allow others talk. Listen. Listening is a skill. Don't talk too much. Talking too much sometimes at the embassies, especially the U.S. embassies, say, mm, this person wants to lie. You're trying to cover up something with too many words. Too many words. Let's take it easy. Some people, that's their, that's their life. It's their, it's their skill. It's a talent. It's okay. Some of us are more outspoken than others, and it's a gift. It can be channeled positively. But don't now become somebody that shows up. They say, well, I'm not at home. Today, Monday morning. You don't let me do anything. There are some friends like that. Block them. You give them your spare time. And that spare time, you manage it. When I want to get into some meetings on WhatsApp, I have a lot of online meetings. I say, this meeting, we have only 30 minutes so that we can all go. I'm not talking about church meetings. I'm talking about meetings with other people. 30 minutes. When some, one person can take 45 minutes. And be telling us stories of what happened in 1965 before we were born. You don't need that. Caution yourself. We all have the tendency. Those of us who talk. We have the tendency. But caution yourself. Caution yourself. Because you will lie. You. When words are too many. You won't know. It won't be intentional. Lie will just enter. Our ministry this year, we just raised 15 people from the dead. Ah! Even death to say, ah, I didn't rise up 15 times. No, sir, only twice. Exaggeration is a lie, too. I learned that in America. I was with a couple, and they said, um, So we started this at 1247. The lady, my mentee, my producer, oh no, Pastor Fred, it was um, 12.45. He coming from Nigeria. I said 12.45, he said 12.45. What's the difference? Two minutes. To be precise, say it as it is and get away. Are you with me, church? The last scripture, Proverbs 29 and verse 11. I said last scripture, so that's the last. Pastor is disciplined. Amen. Be disciplined also with your time management in your private life. 29.11, I said. Media, are you there? I didn't say Pastor Fred, I said Proverbs 29.11. Look at this. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. 
Don't be a fool. Read the book of Proverbs one chapter per day. It will help you. One chapter per day. It will help you. Those of us who say, I will say everything in my mind. I will bear my mind. I will, I will declare my mind. I will expose my mind. The Bible says you are a fool. I used to be like that too. And I'm not shying away from that. I, I, I will say everything, everything on my mind, everything, because I don't want anything left. Uh, keep some things. Are you with me? There's a place in the Bible called Monatan. 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 Stand on your feet, everybody. Don't utter all your mind. Give that scripture to me in NIV while we are standing. Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, 11. Proverbs 29, 11. Hallelujah. Say fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Even when you are angry, don't go all out. Like the Holy Ghost cautioned me. I was really going to destroy that guy. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost cautioned me. You want to do it your way or you want me to handle it? So your way is always the best, Lord. Amen. As the word of God is talking to the preacher, it's talking to the congregation as well. Can we make necessary adjustments? And say, Lord, help me to walk in discipline. I want to be disciplined. Be disciplined in my fasting and prayer, to be disciplined in my word study, to be disciplined as a student, to be disciplined as a business person. Some of you business people make it all and spend it all. You don't tithe and you don't save. As money comes, money goes. See, another one is coming. Be careful because of the days of leanness, the days of drought. Have a saving scheme. Have a plan. Have a plan. Students, you won't be students forever. Have a plan. Those monthly allowances won't always come. Have a plan. Let's take a minute and just bring the Holy Ghost. I said pray, everybody pray, pray, pray in the Holy Ghost as the Holy Spirit helps you to make adjustments.